Hello, everyone. This is Ted Stevenow. Uh, this is my second podcast. I'm doing a series of podcasts uh, uh, adapted from the book I wrote called Rigged, How the Establishment Controls Elections and How the Citizens Can Take Them Back. Um, if you want to get a copy of the first chapter of the book, it's available at my website, tedstevenow.com. If you do a sign up for my email list, and I will email you a copy for free. Uh, if you like the book, you can pick it up on Amazon. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy these podcasts. And we'll try to just make this an easy way for people to learn about this really important topic for our country. And so please enjoy. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ted Stevenow, and welcome to the second podcast in a series of podcasts I'm recording uh, related to Central Committee, and I'm corresponding them with a book I wrote on the topic called Rigged, How the Establishment Controls Elections and How the Citizens Can Take Them Back. Um, today, I want to go through the first chapter of the book, this is available online at my website, tedstevenow.com. Um, if you sign up for my email list, you can get the first chapter for free. Um, and you can follow along um, there. Uh, so this first chapter really deals with uh, one of the more powerful points of Central Committee's impact, which is the impact on elections. <clears throat> and so the part one of this chapter is entitled How Elections Are Rigged. And it basically, it goes through a case study of my home county of in Claremont, uh, Ohio, um, and describes how the parties uh, able, is able to influence the outcome of the election. Now, uh, just a couple setup points. Um, one is that uh, in 2014, <clears throat> Congress had an approval rating of about 13%, yet 96% of incumbents were reelected. Um, and that kind of begs the question, you know, if people are unhappy with the direction of the country and their representatives, how come they're not able to be effective at the ballot box? So, um, my county of Claremont is a very Republican county. Um, uh, no Democrat has won a partisan race in my county um, for several decades. And that means that if you want to make a change, the opportunity isn't so much in November, but it's more related to the primary. Because when the November election comes, whoever's got the R by the name is going to win. So if that's somebody that you're not happy with, well, the way to make a change is to try to vote for somebody different in the primary. Uh, which really, you know, calls into question the, the validity of this statement you hear people say so many times, which is remember in November. Um, in many races, particularly representative races like Congress, like State House, like State Senate, um, remember in November is really too late. Um, in other races, November is really important, like a presidential race or a statewide race uh, where the decision, where the lines that are drawn aren't as impactful um, but nonetheless, <clears throat> uh, for the for a very significant portion of government, particularly the legislative side, uh, the primary is going to be really, in, in many cases, the most important race. So given the importance of the primary, I wanted to do like a, just a little case study. And I, and I carved out what happened in the 2014 primary election in my area, in my home county. <clears throat> and so on the, in the book, in this first chapter, uh, you'll see there's a chart. And this is kind of the, I use this chart a lot when I make these presentations on Central Committee. And it's kind of the money chart, you know. I've actually uh, gone through explanations of this. And uh, once finally, once people finally see what the chart's really saying, I've even heard people, I've even heard audible ga gasps from the crowd. People go, oh, I can't believe that. You know, when they finally see how, it, how all the dominoes are lining up and, and falling together. Um, but so I try to do the best I can with the microphone. It's going to be a little tough, but hey, if you hang in there with me, um, you know, we'll see if we can make it work. Um, there are four columns on the chart. <clears throat> the far right column is the largest column, the fourth column, the far right column. Um, and it, 
it is it has a number over the top of it that is 132,966. And that number represents the total number of registered voters in our county. Um, so that's the population of who, who are making the decision about who will represent them. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the people. <clears throat> this, the, the column before it, or the third column, much smaller, uh, is, has a number above it, 17,245. Now, 17,245 represents the number of voters who showed up and voted in the 2014 primary in my county. So if there were 100 and rough, almost 133,000 total voters, only 17,000 showed up in the primary. Now, as I said before, our county is a very Republican county. If you want to make a change, got to make it in the primary. And it isn't really a secret that that's the case. I mean, this is, I mean, gerrymandering and some of these, you know, these, the lopsidedness of districts is, is just, that's, that's hundreds of years that's been, been a factor in our, in our elections. So, but yet people seem to not see it, I guess. And so the, we had, we had in this election, in 2014, about one out of seven registered voters bothered to show up at all uh, for the deciding race, which is, you know, just quite something to look at and consider like, wow, that's amazing. We should talk up primary voting more to get more people involved. Um, so the third column, <clears throat> or actually, well, it's so hard to follow this, but, you know, again, with the microphone and stuff, but if, if you, so column four is 132,000, column three, 17,245, and now column two. Column two has the number above it, which is 6,421. Now, what column two is, is I looked at the 17,000 people and change that voted in the primary, and I carved out the Republican voters. And then I did a calculation to just to figure out how many of the Republican voters were needed to create a majority. So to win a race in the primary, to get a majority of those Republican voters, what was the number you needed? Well, the number was 6,421. So that column actually represents the number of people required to make the decision for the election. So with 132,966 people, though they may show up and vote in November, the decision was really made in the primary by this much, much smaller number of 6,421. <clears throat> so there again is a moment to stand back and look and say, wow, this is really, you know, it's such an influential time. What a difference it makes. Um, how much more weight your vote has when you show up in the primary versus showing up in the, in the general. So, I mean, and that's a terrific point and, you know, something for people to think about and, again, uh, promote, you know, more involvement in the primary election. <clears throat> so the first column on the chart, which represents the, you know, the, the, the last of the ones, the, the numbers that I put there, has the number 100 over it, okay? And that number represents the number of votes required for a candidate who is seeking endorsement from the local party prior to the election. Now, in our county, there are 166 precincts. One person per precinct may serve on county central committee. <clears throat> and, these, and these elections are determined in the primary. Um, you have to file before the primary begins, before the filing deadline for the primary, which is 90 days in advance of the primary. You have to have five valid signatures from your precinct and get your form you know, turned in properly. You run for this position, and then if you're elected, you can serve on county central committee. <clears throat> and county central committee members are the people who decide the votes for endorsements. So what does it mean? If somebody comes before the county central committee, <clears throat> there's a process they have to go to. They have to get a letter to the chairman in advance by a certain date, and they have to meet with the executive committee and go through sort of a vetting process to see whether or not they're qualified. And once they get through all this process, <clears throat> they have an opportunity to appear before the county central committee and ask for endorsement, okay? If a candidate wins an endorsement from the county center committee, 
the prize that they get is that they get to have their name included on the slate card from the county party, which is distributed before the election. So the slate card will be on the website. <clears throat> It'll be mailed to voters. Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll mail to Chase Absentee. Sometimes they'll mail to, to, to uh, the likely voters, or the, the typical primary voters in the county. Um, Sometimes people will take it door to door. Sometimes people will just mail it independently. Um, it'll be typically, it'll be passed out as voters walk into the polls on election day. So this is the slate card. This is the, this is the, the, the mechanism the party uses to say, here, here are the candidates that we support. Now, when a candidate gets his or her name on that slate card, they have a phenomenally high chance of winning in the primary. That slate card is extremely influential to, 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 the, to determining how the 6,421 people that we mentioned earlier end up voting in the primary. Um, you know, we, we say 90 plus per chance, percent chance of winning your race if you, are, if you are endorsed by the party and your name appears on the card. Now, the party has to support the, play, so the slate card, has to mail them out and really get it to people. If it doesn't support its slate card and nobody knows who's on it, well, it doesn't have as much of an impact. But assuming the party supports that card and it really gets out to people, it tends to influence the outcome of the election. And so when you see the, the chart, again, from this perspective, it, the, the way it cascades, really what you're seeing is 100 people are ultimately determining the outcome of the election for 132,966. And, and when people see how that's all coming together, that's where I get the audible gasps. People go, oh, I can't believe it. Because everybody who's in the room, I and mean, you, I'm sure you as a listener, has at some point in your life seen one of these party slate cards. And the effectiveness of that card there is, is dynamic. I mean, there's many elements to it. Um, in this particular, this past election, the primary election <clears throat> had a presidential race in it. And sometimes I refer to those races as shiny object races um, because there's some shiny object at the top of the ticket that's getting everyone's attention. So in this case, it was president. So when people came to the polls, they were thinking president, thinking president, and they weren't thinking about, you know, state rep and state uh, senate and, you know, county clerk and county commissioner and all these different positions that might be on the ballot. And so they go to the election they make the choice for the object or the race that they've been thinking about. And then they basically go, well, I may or may not know the rest of these other people. And many, many people take the, the slate card. They just lay it down on the table next to, the, next to where they're voting. And they just tick off all the choices that the party made. Because they end up relying on the party to, to select candidates that are like-minded to them, that are, you know, that are members of their team, that are believers. Because in, in the absence of, of such a guide... Uh, and you have, you know, it's really hard for, for voters to determine who they like among the different names of people that they don't know about. So again, but the card needs to be supported. And so there are variances. So it's not perfect, but it's, it's in the, you know, very high and uh, over 90% in, in most instances. And it is extremely influential, influential in determining who will win, uh, in the, and especially in the down ticket races. <clears throat> so look at the big picture again, the central committee is an immense power to be able to determine who will win in that primary and then who then thereby determining who ultimately appears on the general election ballot. And in this case, in, in our area where it's lopsided or leaning toward the one party, who wins in the November election? And this is, becomes the case and is true in these congressional districts across the country. Various parties handle this issue, you know, differently. Some, some parties don't endorse because they feel, I mean, in many cases, they'll have a high recogn name recognition candidate who tends to win all the time. And, you know, why upset the apple cart? Or, I mean, you have different rationales for it. But in Ohio, the state party, for example, for the Republicans, always endorses in the primary. It is an extremely powerful tool that they can use for a very cost-effective manner to get to a key number of voters that will uh, be able to to influence and determine the outcome in in the end for the for the party.
Um, so understanding this dynamic of the power of that endorsement of the power of that, of that, <clears throat> that slate card, um, then begs the next question, who serves on these, these central committees? Who is, who is, who, when a candidate wants to be endorsed, who are the people in the audience in the crowd that he or she is appearing before in order to be able to get that endorsement? And as we, as I learned about this, the first time I heard about central committee was in 2009. Um, it turns out this is a very unknown position. I mean, a lot of people are unaware that it even exists. They're unaware of the influence of it. Um, across the state, there are 9,160 precincts in Ohio. Um, at least on the Republican side, as I've looked at the numbers, roughly a third of the positions that are out there, there is no candidate that even bothers to file. So many of the precincts are empty or open. Uh, the remaining uh, seats or precinct positions <clears throat> that do have candidates in them, about around 90% around of them have no challenger. So they're elected unopposed. And when you look at the numbers and you kind of dig into the details, it turns out the citizens aren't really the, the regular citizens aren't really paying much attention to this area, and so these seats end up getting filled by a lot of people that are kind of insiders. They're they're people who might be elected officials. They could be relatives of elected officials. They could be contractors for the government. <clears throat> they could be uh, government employees, county employees, um, employees of elected officials. Um, there's all kinds of people that sort of have this conflict of interest associated with the whole process that become part of it because they're the only ones interested enough and they know the impact that it has uh, to, to get involved. There's another group of people that, 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 that sign up sometimes that are kind of this, they're like a stargazer, like a political, they see politicians as celebrities and they want to rub elbows and feel like they have influence and have this sort of crazy ego thing going on so they can say, well, I've got so-and-so politicians, you know, cell phone number on my phone and ain't that, and doesn't that make me wonderful? Well, the problem with such people, <clears throat> whether they be directly conflicted as a result of some sort of economic interest or whether it's some sort of a stargazing thing, is that if, if you're looking for individuals to hold the party accountable, if you're looking for individuals to be able to say, I want to uphold, to uphold the integrity of the party so that when that endorsement votes, they pick some comes, they pick someone who's principled, someone who's doing the right thing. If, if somebody's wrapped up in conflict <clears throat> in crony insider, you know, uh, perspective, it's they're they're less likely to hold people accountable. They're less likely to pick a new person. They're less likely to, to go against the grain. And so, you know, this is a pretty, you know, uh, hardcore way to say it, but I mean, it's sort of a garbage in, garbage out. If you have people who are conflicted and kind of corrupt on the committees choosing the candidates, well, then you're going to kind of get it conflicted and corrupt candidates uh, endorsed at the end of the process. <clears throat> and so if the people want to change the paradigm, what they need to do is run for these central committee seats and be the people in the meeting who, when they come, when the candidate comes before them to be able to vote, to ask for the vote for the endorsement, they can be impartial. They can be people who are there. I'm not who, who would be there, not because they want to get a job or not because they have a relative elector, not because they're stargazing, not because they're an employee of the system. <clears throat> Instead, they're attending the meeting because they love their country, because they want to do the right thing, because they don't want to spend money we don't have, because they want, they want the Constitution to be our rule book, because they want to protect individual rights, that they're there for the right reasons. And, and I use an expression sometimes when I'm explaining this to say, this is like serving, doing political jury duty, okay? It's supposed to be, you're supposed to be this neutral, impartial person who's there to formulate uh, opinions based on principle. <clears throat> And so this, this impacts the issue of the, of, of the candidates. And if you want to get better principle candidates on the ballot, you need to support people earlier in the process and be able to engage in the process to be able to get principal people uh, in, in motion in the system. Um, a really good expression says, <clears throat> people are policy. 
if you want to change the policy, you have to change the people in charge. And so the people, if you, by serving on central committee, this tiny, tiny number of people, really, I mean, you know, of a maximum of 160 in a county, but there'll be empty seats. Not even all of the seats will get 166 in our county, rather in Claremont County. Um, not even all those seats get filled. <clears throat> when we first started this, uh, when I first got involved with this in, in 2009, 2010, in my township, there were, only, there were 42 precincts. And at that time, about 13 of them were filled with people. So that left 29 open. I mean, nobody was even running. So what the 13 people did was <clears throat> they filled the empty seats with friends, pals, buddies, cronies, who could then, when the endorsement meeting come, came, would, would vote for people that they liked, people on their side. And when we came along, we found 26 people to run in the, in the township. We won 23 seats. And when, when the election is over for Central Committee, there's a, there's a meeting called a reorganization meeting. <clears throat> and in that meeting... You elect the new leadership, and that's that's kind of the moment where all the, all the changes are made. Well, after that election, we basically swept away the old leadership, and the people took control or you know took charge or had the voice. And again, these are regular folks. These are moms, dads, retirees, business owners, just folks. I mean, these are not these are just people. Literally, a lot like a jury. When you when, if you were to go to like a county court system and say you know like who are you people? These are just folks. And the only reason they were serving was because they wanted to do the right thing. And, you know, they were all about <clears throat> the principles. So, I mean, I, I could stop there <clears throat> for today um, because, I mean, that's, you know, the, and that's the essence of, of the issue of the, um, the party influence in this, in this, uh, in the primary election and, you know, setting, setting the stage with the slate card. But there's even more to the story. I mean, if you ever see like a TV show or something, one of these talking heads, and they go, here's Bob Smith, and he's the chairman of the whatever it is party. Um, the Central Committee members also vote to elect the party leadership. Okay? They vote to approve the party bylaws. So all this, some of the, you know, this election cycle, there's been a lot of talk about the way different state parties were organized and what was happening with delegates and superdelegates and all the shenanigans that were going on. Well, the rules for those states are determined by the individual caucus members or central committee members in those states. And so these people set the rules for the, the way the game is played within, their, within the playground they play in. Um, they are responsible for the platforms <clears throat> so that, you know, what does the party believe in? What does the party stand for? I mean, individual central committee members would, would even, you know, in, in, in the formulation of such a platform, meet and say, hey, here's what we think should be in the platform, bring it back to the other members of the Central Committee and say, here's what we've worked on, this is what do you guys think, and then have a vote and pass that platform because so that they could establish the integrity of what does the party stand for. Um, and a couple other things that, that, that it's important, I mean, Central Committee also has the ability as a voice to set kind of the sale for policy, for, for fundamental principle. Um, Central Committees can offer policy statements you can say, for example, the big issue is the federal kind of intervention into education right now. Um, you know, county parties in our area have many of them have have had kind of decrees or statements, you know, official policy statements of the central committees that say, hey, listen, we're not into the federal takeover or federal intrusion into education. We'd like to keep local control. And so this gives the, the this is when the party speaks this way. I mean, the press picks it up sometimes and it's it's opportunity for the people in the community to see the party do something that's principled. And that helps restore and build the integrity of the parties in the community. And so it's a way to get more people involved to go, well, you know, I really believe in these people. These, they're doing the right things. They're trying as hard as they can. They're trying to move in the right direction. And as a, the final point I'll make about the Central Committee and kind of an extra power that they have 
the central committees have been known on time time to time or party these local parties to censure candidates so sometimes a candidate gets elected and he or she says they're going to do something once in office and then do something different well the central committee can issue a statement that says hey we think this person's out of line we don't believe that this should have been the vote or this is the way things should have been you know we expect them to do different better next time or do something different or you know and, and the media loves that stuff <clears throat> where the party has the opportunity to stand up and say when somebody does something that's out of line and it's also important for the voters to see it you need to have people who are stewards inside the party for the integrity of the parties whether that's from a policy standpoint whether it's bylaws whether it's uh, the party platform and whether it's the candidates that they pick now sometimes Parties, you know, we're talking about people here. So there are going to be mistakes made. There's going to be stumbling. There's going to be, oops, you know, we thought this was a good person and he or she didn't work out. But you got to keep trying. And I would submit to you in the main that if these committees, if these local parties are staffed by <clears throat> regular people, people who do not have conflict of interest, people who are not wrapped around the axle of the system, you will in general see better results long term. You will in general see the integrity of the party steer in a better direction. You will in general see the integrity of candidates improve because the citizens are the ones who are calling or who are, who are calling the ball. The citizens are the ones and their only reason they're there is not to get a job or some sort of conflict of interest is because they're trying to do the right thing and move the ball forward. There's an expression in, in economics <clears throat> People use it says, watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Well, precisely that is what this is about. Now, Ohio is a central committee state. Other states are called caucus states. But across the country, okay, every state has a process, whether on a precinct level, county level, statewide level, that they organize the parties. And those parties, every single state, whether it's a caucus or a central committee state, is responsible for sending two representatives to the national party. So the Republican has have our Republican National Committee. Most people don't even realize the committee word. So we're saying central committee in the state. Well, we're talking about these central committees. And so that's the RNC is the Republican National Central Committee for the party. DNC is Democrat National Committee. And so the parties are organized in this way, and they have been for for you know quite some time. And the problem is the citizens have basically abdicated the responsibility for maintaining the integrity of the parties, for, for the functioning of these parties to insiders. Um, I mean, hey, the insiders came because they have, they have a reason to. They have a vested interest. But now it's time for the citizens to take these parties back. I mean, if we really want to change the direction of the country, if we really want to see better candidates at the ballot, and you know, we got to get away from the garbage in, garbage out. we got to be able to put people forward who are good quality, and, and that is going to happen with the citizens involved. In fact, <clears throat> the stronger the parties become because they have increased integrity, increased people believing in them, increased influence in the community, actually, it makes them even more effective in getting people elected to office. And what one, one corresponding benefit of that is a lot of people stay out of politics today because they don't want to go through the muckraking and the mud and all the garbage that's associated with running. But if a party was strong enough on a local level, and a person got through the process and got endorsed and got put into their to their system, their their machine, if you will, for electing candidates. And somebody good knew that they could rely on that system to to put them through to office without all of the nonsense or you know with with reduced nonsense. <clears throat> um, one of the one of the corresponding benefits as well is that you'll see better quality people willing to step up and serve because they know they're supported by a party that's got the people behind them. They know they're supported by a party that has integrity. They know they're supported by uh, people who are going to 
um, you know, be favorable and supportive of them. <laughs> and so, so that's a lot for today. Um, but I wanted to, you know, try to get the, the basic of it down, but that, that section about how the establishment controls election, well, that's a super powerful part when people see that and they realize that that small number of people has that huge impact. I mean, I always invite people to compare the impact if you were to serve on central committee to compare the impact to, and it's, we're talking like an hour every month, maybe hour every two months to go to, to serve as a member on central committee. I mean, <clears throat> to, to do that job, when you compare the impact that it has versus what we think of as political, right? So do we think of listening to talk radio as political? Do we think of watching TV and pundits and talking heads and, you know, televised debates and attending rallies and waving flags and putting stickers on our cars and signs in our yards and volunteering and making phone calls and all these things that we typically think of as political. If you took 10% of the time that you put into that stuff and said, well, I'm going to put it in over here. What a difference you could make. The impact of one central committee member voting on a, on a central committee for endorsement is just stunning. Uh, in terms of, of, you know, especially when you compare it to the, you know, what's required to move the needle in a, a general election with, with yards, yard signs. So this is an opportunity to make a huge difference. This is an opportunity to help turn the country around. This is an opportunity to be very effective. And, you know, good news and bad news. I mean, the bad news is people don't know about it and people haven't been, been involved with it in the past as much as they should. But the good news is, hey, and I mean, state has, Ohio has 11,500,000 people who live in it. We're talking about 5,000 people. There are 9,160 precincts in our state. So if you had four or 5,000 people engage this process and say, I'm willing to do political jury duty, I'm going to learn about liberty. I'm going to learn about what good government's about. I'm going to try to send forward the best possible people. I'm going to try to make sure that we have good rules. I'm sure that I want to make sure that we're as representative as we possibly can be. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem to me like that's too unrealistic a, a dream to say we could find four or 5,000 people willing to step into that space. So that's plenty for today, and we'll catch you next uh, uh, episode. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the breakdown elements of, of other functions and other uh, important uh, roles that Central Committee members play in this, in this issue of integrity of the parties. Uh, and so I will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can go to my website, tedstevenow.com. If you join my email list, I will send you a, a copy of this first chapter for free. And it's all written out there. And you can actually see the chart instead of me trying to explain it to you with words. Uh, and I appreciate you listening today. And I will talk to you again soon.